You're listening to a special Earth Day edition of a podcast by the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, where we're answering your questions like, is China ahead of the United States in developing green technology? And what can the U.S. and China learn from each other when it comes to protecting the environment with top environmental experts from both the U.S. and China? In this special edition podcast, we're pulling the best content from our entire Earth Month series of interviews, which covers even more topics relating to U.S.-China climate cooperation, green technology, and China's environmental protection. You can watch all of our Earth Month content on our YouTube channel, any of our social media accounts, or on our website, ncuscr.org. We hope you enjoy this special Earth Day edition of our favorite questions and answers from the experts. First up is climatologist Angel Xu, a public intellectuals program fellow here at the National Committee, assistant professor of public policy and environment at UNC Chapel Hill, and the founder and director of the data-driven EnviroLab. Professor Angel Xu, what are the most important environmental issues China faces right now? Despite the momentous progress China has made to reduce air pollution in major cities and to increase forest cover, Amongst other successes, it still faces a number of environmental challenges. For one, if you read the headlines from last summer, China experienced a historic heat wave. It was the worst heat wave that China had ever experienced. I think in the world, it was the worst heat wave that any country had ever experienced. And this heat wave emphasized the need for China to work even faster to reduce its emissions and bolster alternative sources of clean energy. During that heat wave, remember, temperatures were over 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and they went on for more than 70 days straight, and it affected a region as wide as 17 provinces and more than 900 million people. These heat waves not only led to high temperatures, but it also caused drought conditions and crippled China's hydroelectricity production. And remember, hydroelectricity supplies 16% of China's overall power output. While related to heat and water crises, coal still remains a persistent challenge for China since it still comprises around 55% of the country's overall energy mix and generates more than 60% of its electricity. Of course, coal is the most carbon-intensive form of energy and leads to huge amounts of air pollution, and that causes 1 million premature deaths in China every year. Even though China has set a target for it to become carbon neutral by 2060, it has to eliminate coal and other fossil fuels from its electricity sector by 2050, and despite this target and the road ahead of them, they're still building more coal-fired power plants every day, and coal consumption has not seen meaningful declines since it is a cheap and readily available source of fuel. But the good news is that we have all the technologies available today in the form of renewable energy, solar and wind, and China continues to just completely crush benchmarks that it set for itself to continue to install these sources of renewable electricity and of course, we know that China has been instrumental in making these technologies more affordable and cheaper than conventional fuels for countries across the world. As Angel pointed out, China has made incredible strides in developing green technology to combat these major environmental issues. That brings us to Joanna Lewis, Director of the Science, Technology, and International Affairs Program at Georgetown University, National Committee Public Intellectuals Program Fellow, and author of Cooperating for the Climate learning from international partnerships in China's clean energy sector. She's an expert in China's green technology development and manufacturing. Professor Joanna Lewis, how far ahead exactly is China in developing green technology? Is China ahead of the U.S.? 
China leads the world in the manufacturing and deployment of almost every clean energy technology that you could think of, uh, wind turbines, solar panels, batteries, electric vehicles, um, and the list goes on. Um, but I think, you know, as China has developed these industries quite rapidly, there have been uh, real investments made in the scaling of these technologies, as well as in uh, clean energy innovation. Um, and I think that it remains to be seen whether China is going to sort of not just be the scaler of existing technologies or whether it has the ability to really innovate in the next generation of clean energy technologies that we're going to need for the low carbon transition. Historically, the, the technologies that China has really been able to adopt um, were initially innovated in other countries, um, primarily Europe and the United States, including um, the wind turbine and, and particularly solar photovoltaic technology. Um, China was able to have that technology transferred and then really scale up manufacturing at home. Um, and so I think the true test of China's um, national innovation system in the clean energy and climate space will be if we see new innovations coming out of China, um, particularly in the next generation uh, clean energy technology industries um, that are going to be you know, increasingly important in the coming years as um, countries all over the world scale up their deployment of low carbon technologies. For a closer look into one of those renewable energies where China is racing ahead, we turn to Zhou Ji, CEO and president of Energy Foundation China. He previously served as a deputy director general of China's National Center for Climate Change Strategy and International Cooperation, and is a recognized climate expert in China. Professor Zhou Ji, do you think there's potential for the growth of offshore wind in China? Very, very huge potential. So let me tell you a very direct story that I experienced in the past two or three years. Uh, I remember when Lord Nicholas Stern told me, oh, UK, they reached, I mean, normal price of offshore uh, wind power based on their power sector reform. And I felt very curious about that. I said, oh, let's organize a dialogue between China and the UK experts. And then we organized that in, uh, it should be in 2020. And we heard a lot from UK colleagues there. And uh, when we were after, I said, oh, let's organize another dialogue. And uh, suddenly I found the total capacity of offshore wind power uh, in China become the top one in the world. And uh, furthermore, with several uh, field trips, I also saw very, very rapid change of the cost, mainly because of the, 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 the scale of the economy. I mean, the size become, become higher and higher, especially invited by several leading provinces like, uh, I mean, we have a top one, top two of GDP provinces like Guangdong province, Jiangsu province, and Shandong province, together with Zhejiang and Fujian and all those uh, relatively richer uh, provinces, they uh, started the capital investment in offshore. And uh, furthermore, uh, some of the provinces that I, I heard, for example, Jiangsu province and also Guangdong province, they are considering to use offshore wind power to produce 
uh, green hydrogen with sea water. But certainly for the moment, uh, they are uh, now in the early stage to have a demo project or pilot project there. But I, I believe if the offshore wind power become the cheaper and the cheaper and the richer and the richer, it's very likely become true for hydrogen production. As our exploration of the U.S.-China climate relationship this Earth Month revealed, the environment is one area in which both countries share common interests. From developing key technologies to combating the worst effects of climate change, the environment brings the U.S. and China together in a relationship both cooperative and competitive. With us to discuss what the two countries can learn from each other is Ma Jun, longtime environmentalist in China and founding director of the Institute of Public and Environmental Affairs. Professor Ma Jun, what can the U.S. and China learn from each other when it comes to protecting the environment? The United States uh, uh, been through the industrialization and urbanization uh, much earlier than China. And during the 1960s and 70s, it was uh, hit by, uh, suffered from also water and air pollution. And through that process, have created some of the real important mechanisms uh, to deal with the to address the pollution problem. So I myself and uh, many of my colleagues uh, back in China, you know, working on environmental protection have all been benefited uh, uh, through all these years to learn from the, some of the best practices uh, developed in America, you know, uh, from the uh, environmental legislation, Clean Air, Clean Water Act, and um, uh, to the market-based solutions uh, like the cap-and-treat market, and uh, and then to the to the very issue of uh, transparency. It was the toxic inventory developed in America that gave me inspiration to develop our uh, you know transparency program in China. So we we have learned so much from from America all these years, uh, very much benefited. Of course, uh, during this uh, uh, process, China have also managed to develop our own models and you know, practical solutions uh, to deal with, uh, with the problem, the environmental problem, uh, particularly as a developing country. And we managed to take advantage of uh, the enormous progress uh, made in the development of IT technologies. Uh, you know, in America, it was kind of the 70s and 80s, that era, there was not much IT, you know, uh, the different uh, era. But in China, you know, we managed to take advantage of the internet and then mobile internet and, and then, of course, big data and uh, AI and, and try to use that to, uh, to help enhance the efficiency and cut the cost in our pollution control and try to use that to engage more stakeholders uh, in our practice, and I think the some of my American, you know, U.S. colleagues were uh, surprised to see the massive real-time disclosure of the automatic monitoring that can be done in China. Thanks for listening to our Earth Day Special Edition podcast. Don't forget to check out all of our Earth Month content on our website, ncuscr.org. If you enjoy this content, make sure to listen to our latest episode on Etsy USCR interviews wherever you get your podcasts.